Hey everyone, it's Amber Love and welcome to another episode of Vodka O'Clock Podcast. And you can sponsor my work, like um, this show, for example, or the cat adventures of the Winchester Nubu Detective Agency by going to patreon.com slash amberunmasked. And also, if you've read any of my books, please leave little uh, reviews or happy five-star ratings, because that definitely makes a difference to indie authors who do not have big, huge marketing publishing firms behind them. So as far as this episode goes, I'm going to put a trigger and content warning right up front here, uh, because no matter how well I plan out questions and topics, things just might come up naturally as we speak. And at some point, we're going to be talking about the dangers of self-harm and then, you know, talking about self-care and self-love too. So joining me today are uh, Natalie and Jen, who've started a new feminist geek network that we're going to talk about. And Natalie has been on the show before. She goes by Uber Dork Girly and Jen is the Ruthless Geek. So, guys, thank you so much for being here. And I say guys gender neutrally. I don't want any crap for that, please. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Um, So we're here to learn about your new project called FORGE, which which, uh, is an acronym for Feminist Organization for Rebel Geek Empowerment. And it's just getting off the ground. So what what does everyone need to know about this? Do you want to take it? Who wants to take it? Um, I'll, I'll start taking it, but I'm going to give it back to Natalie pretty soon. Um, I think that the most imp- well, one of the most important things is that what you just said is that we're just kind of getting off the ground. So we're really sort of feeling our way through how to best um, accomplish our goals, which are simple and don't seem to be such a big deal, which is just that everyone who wants to geek should feel safe and comfortable being a geek and participating in that community. And even though that sounds really simple, it's actually not. And there are a lot of people who don't feel welcomed into, um, I keep saying community, but they, they don't feel welcomed into that community. They don't feel comfortable or safe participating in the things that they love. So our main goal is to fix that. We're going to fix it, right, Natalie? We are. And then we're going to accomplish world domination. That's our secondary goal. Okay. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like that would be a natural <laughs> flow of, of things. Wouldn't because it? once you've mastered getting everybody involved in tabletop gaming, then, right. uh, you know, then I think world it's domination. Like taking over the world, right? <laughs> It'll get better and better at strategy games. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll be practicing. So, Natalie, what else? Do you want to add anything else? No, she summed it up perfectly. That's that's our main goal, um, and it it started it started from the we have to do something, and why can't we start it? Why can't we just start something and 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 grow from there? And um, and that's kind of what happened. Okay. So right now we're we're just pretty much a website and a Facebook page, uh, but we're starting to plan some events in our local community uh, for women to get together all kinds of people to get together, not just women, anyone who wants to geek and doesn't have a problem with anyone else who wants to geek. We're going to start some gaming nights and some meetups and um, we're going to start some conversations on the website for people who aren't local. We want to hear people's stories and we want to, um, we want to communicate. We want to talk with each other. 
Okay, and local for you guys is around Milwaukee? Milwaukee, Wisconsin mm-hmm. right now, yes. Okay, um, but I love the idea that you'd expand to something online. I remember Felicia Day had done that too. Didn't she do like um, mm-hmm. vaginal fantasy or something online? Uh, mm-hmm. And we do have, um, with the launch of our site, and we just launched this month, but in the site itself is built in an online community. So you can actually create a profile, you can friend people, you can send them private messages, you can participate in the bulletin boards there, the community boards, um, which is very basic and very simple right now. But the point is that we wanted an online space that was safe as well as, you know, as being in our own community, but not everyone, obviously, is in Milwaukee. So we wanted to at least reach out and make sure that that there was a safe place for people to talk. I mean, as you know, there's social media is um, at times a very dangerous place for people who identify as women to dwell. Um, so there's a huge safety factor in there. Um, but at the basic core of the start of this was the, especially in the in the city of Milwaukee, there's an odd just division amongst the gay community in general. And we can't have nice things if we can't play well together. And we figured that the very least we could do was start um, to build a place for, for women and feminists and work on just complete inclusivity, no matter how you gender identify um, what your race is, what your cultural background is. We just, we need to welcome everyone and not gatekeep. I mean, we should be celebrating the fact that there's so many of us out there that love the same fandoms and love the same activities that that should be the focus of the community and not, you know, all the other random crap that becomes overwhelming online these days. Right. And I think, Part of the most exciting, well, a few of the most um, exciting things about the website for me are that we do have a, a place where you can suggest different kinds of workshops, and we're going to sort of connect with different people in the community who can lead empowering workshops. We're hoping to have um, some women teach a, a class on how to, to run your own role-playing game, uh, so women can then sort of go out and sort of take charge and run the game themselves. Uh, Natalie is going to teach some classes, some crafting classes. That's totally not my realm. But Natalie can make anything out of yarn and is going to teach people how to do that. That's great. So you're going to have like an online version of that also, like through Twitch or something? I would love to. I would love to have the seminar, the workshop in person, and then make it available online as well. As it kind of boils down to a certain simplicity. So the things we focus on is being able to play and game and also to be able to create. Um, the more females and those that identify as females and women of color and the more diversity we have in just running a game, the more we take control of the narrative. Because as a game master, game designer, writer, author, those are all tools to control a narrative that is not being told and is not being listened to. So the goal is to be able to to teach and to offer space for people to learn or to grow with those tools to be able to, to embrace their narrative and voice it in whatever way they're comfortable. Okay. So Jen, did I know that Natalie has seen Parks and Rec because we joke about it all the time. So Jen, have you watched Parks and Rec? Um, my eldest kid, 
um, and I say kid because right now they're identifying as gender neutral. Okay. Um, and I have watched through that show beginning to end about four times. Great. So then you probably remember the Pawnee Goddesses episode. Yeah. Yes. So it's also, you know, the Pawnee Goddesses outfit is is on my cosplay to do list, which it's been there Perfect. for years, and I I still want to make it. And I love the scene where the boys realize that the you know the girls are having more fun in their cabin and so they have this debate which you know of course Leslie Nope loves debates yes. so the girls make all of these valid points saying you know why they should or should not open their club up to boys and one of the girls says, well, I believe there's a benefit in educating the gender separately. And this was obviously presented in a binary um, approach. Right. But um, so if you are going to, I think for the most part, most of us consider um, anyone in the queer spectrum, we just put in the women category nowadays, like like there's the cis men, sorry, cis het gendered men, and then the, you know, women, non-binary, queer, gender fluid, everybody else goes in in a second category, usually, um, when it comes to things like organizations and memberships. So what are your thoughts, though, on having the genders educated separately or having a safe space, like, you know, a women's only retreat or the, you know, having like a an only transgender, say, a comic book publishing company or something like that? Well, I think, you know, Natalie said this phrase the other day, too, while we were having um, a coffee-fueled conversation about controlling the narrative. And I think it is so hard for a non-cis white male to be heard in this world in many ways. And I see this, I teach at uh, the University of Wisconsin, and I see this in my classrooms, how willing young white men are to sort of step up and share their ideas, and how I have to sort of pull the young women and the students of color to get them to do the same thing. So I am not a big fan of excluding anyone, but I am a big fan of gathering up people who often don't share their voices or have the opportunity to share their voices as readily to get them to sort of, again, practice that skill and be surrounded by people that make them feel safe and willing and ready to talk. So I do, the idea of a trans-only comic book company is fantastic, right? I do think that we need more of that group that you described, women, people of color, trans people, um, in charge of these narratives, yeah, I think it's great that at least in the indie spaces, we're finally seeing that, yes. you know, in the especially in the comics world. I don't really know much about the gaming world. I will completely flat out admit that. So I don't know if, um, you know, gaming employees are, are being more in inclusive or not. Um, all I can go by is who I follow on Twitter. And when okay. I see somebody saying that they've got, been hired or get a promotion or something, I'm like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, education. But, I mean, we have to at some point, like Natalie said, play nicely with each other. You do, even if there's disagreements. It doesn't mean that everybody is a robot who thinks the same. It, right. It just means, like you said, giving voices and letting you know, giving that person space. And um, you know, I think I think publishing comes up a lot. And as we just saw in the last 24 hours, what happens when a celebrity 
opens their mouth and says something racist, uh, they there are repercussions. So like when that, you know, Jack, you know, so sometimes, sometimes. So like all in one year, um, and I'm not sure how to pronounce her first name because I don't watch ESPN, but Jamel Hill, the the reporter, like she went from one year of getting punished and suspended at ESPN to becoming like, you know, got an award for like, you know, whatever anchor of the year or some, some kind of award. And, the, you know, it's and so ESPN's tweet was something congratulatory to her. And it was like, you punished her for being her, you know, for being, right, right. you know, for speaking truth about racism in sports. So, like, what in the hell? You're, you know, it's like, I hope, yeah, maybe you learned your lesson. But, you know, we've seen Roseanne get her show picked up and canceled. We've seen Milo get a ludicrous book deal and then that got canceled. Um and I think that that's in no small part due to celebrities participating uh, in asking for the social justice. It doesn't mean that you don't have the right to your platform, but um, your platform might not be Simon Schuster. <laughs> like your pla- right. You right. might have to go build your own freaking platform if you want to be a racist piece of crap. <laughs> right. That's the thing is that I am all for free speech, but free Sorry. speech comes with consequences, too. Just because you have the right to have free speech doesn't mean that you're free from consequences of your of your actions. Doesn't mean that everyone needs to agree with your free speech. Right. And I do honestly believe in um, the power of a good apology or um, and I know this is sort of a cop out. But when we say things like, well, it's just how kind things were 100 years ago, that's just, you know, 200 years ago when we read, you know, classic authors and how racist they were, you know, it's like, well, yeah, but we can't change their behavior now. And we, you know, so I don't think there's a point in arguing what somebody necessarily did 200 years ago, other than saying whether or not the body of work is racist in tone. And, you know, and, and that's just a tough one to unpack. Um, you know, like uh, Margaret Atwood, I was just checking the charts because we we're going to talk about, you know, comics and book recommendations and things like that. And The Handmaid's Tale is still the the number two best selling book on Amazon um, for fiction because it's I, I think the show really has propelled it. And um, I haven't even finished the show <laughs> because I have to watch it very slowly because I get so angry. But yeah. um, it's a tough, you know, it's tough to watch and it was tough to it read. It's really close to home right now. It does. It really does. And I know Margaret Atwood, just like Joyce Carol Oates, I mean, people can be feminist and still be flawed. Yes. Right. You know, sometimes they're going to tweet something that's just doesn't have the most thought behind it, you know, or something. And I, And I do think that there's there's a difference between somebody like that who is devoutly feminist, but might occasionally say something thoughtless versus somebody like Roseanne or Milo. Right. But at the same time, I mean, it's great that we're doing that, but within our own community, there's still comic gate. I mean, we're still going where small independent owned comic book stores run by Females, people of color, minorities, you know, who say, I'm not going to carry this because I don't agree with it, then get their lives threatened, 
get downplayed on Google or on, you know, for their, their reviews and just get so attacked right now, currently happening. And it's disgusting that it's, it's, it's deemed acceptable. And, and that's the thing is that it's been how many years we've been in the relatively social geek realm and, and there, and it's still somehow happening. Yeah, and, and this is just because okay. it, because it comes out and ends up in a blog post somewhere, or somebody like I, you, know, you were saying, social media. Somebody posts it or tweets it that this independent store, you know, has has made this statement, has formally made this statement. Whereas, I mean, I worked in the comic book store for years, and if there was a problem with somebody being a homophobe, trust me when I tell you that the owners just simply said, "Well, we'll, we'll only." order it for people who subscribe to it, who ask for it, but mm-hmm. we won't carry it. And, um, you know, and I think that was a decent policy. It wasn't anything shouted from the rooftops, though, because it just, it's, it, I mean, even three years ago and four years ago, the social media was a different thing. Now it's unruly. <laughs> um, unruly and it's very dangerous. And I think yeah. this is part of what fueled Forge for us in the beginning was how dangerous it is for a woman to have an opinion about something considered geeky related, like a comic book store. Or, I mean, these women who, who posted blogs about video games being more inclusive who got death and rape threats. Yeah, I mean, you can't even criticize a comic yeah. book cover without... Right. You know. Right. And there's this sort of like wall of anger that comes and the depth of that anger, I'm still kind of trying to sort of figure out and understand because a woman should be able to say like, I own this comic book shop and I'm not going to have this comic without her life being threatened. Right. I think there was, um, you know, even when it comes to politics in the greater realm than, than comic books, there's all these people who do much better analysis of the accounts and they prove that it's a handful of people behind hundreds or thousands of accounts make you know they're just sock puppet accounts and as soon as they get banned or blocked they open up another account and stuff like that so they will do whatever they can and then they go over to reddit and 4chan and try to drum up support and make it look like they are bigger than they are right when thankfully they're not yeah I just want to go back to some because I am the ruthless geek, and that means that I have to turn my critical gaze on things even that I love. Okay. So I love Margaret Atwood, and I read her books way before it was cool to read her books. Um, but I have a really hard time, like, when she or when Joyce Carol Oates tweets something that isn't necessarily – feminism is empty if it's not inclusive and if it's not intersectional. Agreed. Yes. So that's my ruthlessness. That's my like, Margaret Atwood, you are a writer that makes me cry because you're so good. Um, but you, you still can't get away with that stuff. You yeah. know, I agree. Yeah. I just had something bad about Margaret Atwood. I know, but it's but this is I love her. We have to we have to look at our own teams. Right. right. You know, and I think just like with the Roseanne example, you know, I think it's important for people on that show to say what she did was wrong. Um, just like with uh, recently on uh, the Arrested Development cast had a big, oh, God, just, had a big blowout. To it? It, and it's um, 
you know, it was because of Jeffrey Tambor, who I previously adored. I loved his work. And um, when I first heard that, you know, the cast members like Jason Bateman, who I freaking love, <laughs> were, were being yeah. so insensitive to, you know, um, Jessica, Jessica, Jessica Walter. And I'm like, first of all, like, how can you look at her and say a bad thing? Like, she looks like right. she will kill you. Right. <laughs> um, and that they, you know, just how insensitive they were. And then and I, I read Jason Bateman's apology and I believed it. It made sense to me. He seems to have learned. And, you know, he and I believe that in a particular moment in time, you can be completely unaware because there's, you know, there's cameras on or microphones on and I and there's other shit going through your head at the time that you might be totally oblivious to to what's going on. And uh, so I believe Jason Bateman is sorry. And I hope that the show does well. And I, you know, and I don't want to see Jeffrey Tambor on it. I don't think he's even needed. Especially because they've had him in prison for like how many seasons? <laughs> right. No, and I, um, I actually listened to the audio of the interview, and that poor woman was in tears. That's terrible. Trying to explain what had happened to her and what it had meant to her, and these men were just plowing over her. I just, I wanted to crawl into my computer and just yell at them and say, just close your mouth, face, and just listen to her. Just listen. She's crying. Because this person that she trusted and cared for screamed at her. And they just completely plowed over everything she was trying to say. It was so frustrating. Especially but after think, after this whole Me Too movement. It's like, right. come on. I did think Jason Bateman's apology was a real apology, though. Now, the, the non-apology that gets issued sometimes is worse than the first act that generated it. Sure. You know, that's sort of like, sorry, not sorry. Right. I'm sorry. I hurt, I'm sorry you felt hurt. Not right, sorry. exactly. Not, I'm sorry for what I did. But I did think his was well done. Yeah, so um, since we're talking about entertainment and various forms of media, uh, are, you know, like The Handmaid's Tale, what books do you think, since both of you have kids, and Jen, you said that you're an educator, so, um, and Natalie is basically like everybody's educator. She's like, the, you know, the, <laughs> leading the, the Uber Dork Cafe. So, um, do you have books that you specific, books or comics that you specifically put in people's hands, whether, you know, especially if it's like a, a someone... I shouldn't just target and say the kids because you can change anybody's mind at any point in their life. Um, so is there something that that's with you right now? Like for me, Dietland, I've been talking about Dietland for a couple of years yeah. now and cannot wait for the show to start. Um, but also as far as nonfiction goes, Malala's book that she, the one that she wrote herself, um, which is called I am Malala. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, is fabulous it's a fabulous way to get to know somebody who's not like me right um right so natalie you want to take over and talk about any books or comics so this is actually really um a really interesting time right now in terms of reading in my household um because i do have you know i have two daughters and they're 12 and 13 
And my 13-year-old has been the most ridiculous reader since birth. Like, she totally inherited my reading gene. They, in English class, they'll get a book. They're separating a book clubs. And uh, everyone who gets grouped with her is like, can you please not finish the book tonight? Can you just, can you not finish it tonight? And make it all with it. And she will go home. And, it like, this last time, it was, like, a 432-page book. So she lay, she saved the last two pages to say that she didn't finish the entire book in one night. Um so she devours books like nothing. And um, my younger one is a big reader, too, but totally different and much more relaxed in, in style. And finding books they like together and then f- actually speaking with my oldest one, she – it's interesting because there's young adult books. And then there's books that – she grasps that aren't considered young adult. Um, and so I've been forcing upon her based on on just the life, the life things of raising teen and tween girls and what has been going on in their lives and at school and stuff. I have been forcing upon her, um, I bought a bunch of books on biographies of the Riot Girl movement. <laughs> okay. And this summer they will be creating, her and her friends are doing a zine um, we bought, I bought rebelgirls.org and uh, we're going to create a, a resource for, you know, she's going to create with her friends. They're going to drive this young adult, this young female uh, or female identification, or she's got LGBTQ friends. Um, they're going to, they're going to drive this and create their own little resource for each other and for other kids their age. So I've been focusing on some historically badass chicks is pretty much what we're going with. And she's read both of my girls. We've got a bunch of books here that, um, that cover the standard, you know, strong women in, in history. And now we're going, I'm forcing them strictly on the rebel girl thing because, um, they're very punk rock in spirit and they both really like music a lot. So it's kind of a really good bridge for the both of them. So, uh, so that's where we're at in our household in terms of reading. If it's anything to do with the Riot Girl movement or punk chick rock, we're in it. That sounds good. So are they into comics at all? They are. Um, and it's really funny because they, uh, they have very different tastes in comics as well. And the one, the one comic series that they've always liked um, were the Archie comics. So we've been watching Riverdale together as family. And, um, and I love listening to them point out things that are okay and not okay in, not in just the characters from the comic side of it, but, you know, how happy they are that there is a gay character, that there is, you know, the diversity in the characters and them appreciating those factors, even if those characters aren't their best written or if there's flaws within the character, the fact that they're different and they're, there's another voice in there um, that they appreciate. So, um, and they started watching um, Marvel Wonder Ways as well. But so it's kind of bridging that from comic paper to a visual aspect because they are different in their passions for reading. And so they're not going to sit down and read a comic together, but they will read it separately and then sit down and watch a movie or a TV series that's based on that. They're really pissed off. I won't let them watch Jessica Jones. Um, 
Oh, boy. So mad. So mad. Um, they're like, please, we'll give up on our dreams of watching the Deadpool movies if you just let us watch Jessica Jones. And I'm like, I struggled to get through the first series of Jessica Jones. So, um, but yeah, so that's that's where they're, and anime. They're ridiculous anime. I think they're watching Fairy Tale together right now for like the 12th time. So, so those are the media and stuff that my kids are doing. Okay. Um, Jen, did your kids have anything? Uh, um, my son is 10 and um, is challenged to sit still long enough to read something consistently. Um, but he is a big fan of um, these. Oh, what are they? I can't find it right now. But um, my oldest kid, who identified as my daughter for the first 13 years of her life, um it's interesting. She inherited my ruthlessness on some level uh, because even if she watches something she loves, she's sort of hypercritical of it and how it represents people, mm-hmm. which is fun and exhausting. Uh, Marvel Runaways made it all the way through, Natalie, um, without any sort of criticism or rage. But a lot of shows or things that are meant for young adults um, wind up aggravating her more than anything else. Yeah, her um, and my oldest are two peas in a pod. Yeah, they really are. Or uh, she has the ability to love something, but also see it as flawed or problematic. Like, she really, really loves the Hunger Games. Um, But she came to me and she's like, I don't really think Peta and Katniss's relationship is healthy. And this whole, like, dissection of how he used the fact that they were in the games together to, like, hold her hand and touch her when it wasn't appropriate. And um, how she thinks... Katniss should have wound up with neither of those boys and just like gone off by herself and had a life, but she'll still watch the movies. Yeah, and so, but I think that's I, I think that's a healthy way to, to to approach it, where you could say I'm watching this for the entertainment value, even though there's problems with it. Right. You know, people do that with Harry Potter all the time. Right, and that's actually another one that that um, that she really enjoys. That also sort of generates some anger and some. Analysis, uh, which is, again, very healthy and very good. Um, Early when they started reading comic books, they really, really loved the Lumberjanes series and the Prince series. Yeah, Princess and Lumberjanes are on my list to make sure that we mention. And Raven the Pirate Princess is, of course, a spinoff from Princess. Um, Ms. Marvel. um, Yes. And and then there's um, also the nonfiction stuff, like the March series with um, Senator Lewis's uh, real history. Um, yeah. My so kid had a wonderful teacher that sent that home with him when he had some curiosity about um, civil rights and kid disappeared for three days with that book and yeah. emerged at some point like with her mind blown. It was amazing. And and that's a, you know, a great thing that comics is used for. Uh, like you said, it's, I was one of those kids more like yours where I, I could not read a book in a night like Natalie's child. I, it takes, I'm a slow, slow reader. And um, so something like a comic that might be, you know, 22 pages or even if it's a graphic novel and other people, you know, take like an hour to read it. At least I could be like, okay, I can take this combined six issues over a few days Mm -hmm. and digest it. Um, You know, what's interesting. I'm sorry. No, I I was just going to say that, you know, that's what makes comics, uh, you know, good as a reading gateway. 
And I'm so glad to hear you say that because we ran into some trouble with my son's um, fourth and fifth grade teachers. Uh, he would read comic or graphic novels in his first and second grade class, their combined classes. They were, and graphic novels were um, not allowed for their home reading in fifth and fourth and fifth grade. Yeah, um, we had the same issue. Yeah, and he came home and said, I can't read Captain Underpants anymore, and I can't read um, Dork Diaries anymore, because those are graphic novels, and I, I have to read other kinds of books. And I just, for a kid who's, like, struggling to sort of engage with reading, but found these things that he really loves, why would we not allow? Right. Um, so we went around and around with that. I couldn't get a straight answer out of the teachers about why they were anti-graphic novel. I think they only see it as a matter of how many words your eyes are seeing instead of the fact that you are visually taking an artwork at the right. same time. That makes sense. Right, oh. because there are fewer words, but that doesn't mean your brain's not engaged. Yeah. And My that's girl- the, the same thing with people with audiobooks is they, they're like, you know, it is a real book. It's the book being read to you. <laughs> right. Often by someone with a sexy British voice. So Dude, Yeah, how great. I would be not, why would we shoot that down? Um, in fact, I asked our, our librarian love, Josh Neff, uh, what his recommendations were, because uh, he's more into the YA beat than I am. And yeah. he suggested, and I, would, I knew somebody mentioned it, and it turned out it was him, a new book um, called Labyrinth Lost by, and I, I think it's pronounced Zoraida Cordova, about uh, Latinx teen Bruas, the uh, witches. So... Um, I was like, that's it. We get some uh, Latino I downloaded it for, for Grace and I, actually, because he and I were talking about it the other day. He was reading me passages on the phone, and I was like, oh, she's going to love this. So we totally downloaded it and are excited about it. Yeah, so, so that was one that is brand new on the radar. Um, Catherine Valenti's Fairyland series and the um, Nnedi Okorafor. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. The Binti series. I know the Binti books, so I, have, I see those constantly being tweeted. So um, I completely apologize for butchering anybody's names. And then The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. That was like, oh, yeah. that was literally like every tweet for a solid week when that came out. Yeah. No, I taught a class this last semester at University of Wisconsin that um, English education majors often take. And there were a few of them talking about that book. And one of them actually wound up writing a paper about that book. And it sounds fantastic. Cool. Uh, there is strange. There's a little bit of backlash against it, though, um, because the assignment was to look at a conversation happening around a book and, and talk about it and bring it into the classroom and tell us about it. And they, there's this, a small anti the hate you give contingent. I mean, there's a, an, an anti anything contingent if you look hard enough. Of course. Of course. But um, but groups complaints about that book are completely ridiculous and you know and yet at other times there are marginalized people who speak up with really genuine really valid concerns yes. like um when you describe uh you know a foreign human race as you know red-skinned savages Right. It's, you know, it's like, oh, well, no, I meant they were like orcs. It's like, right. well, yeah. yeah, but your language there. 
And language is so important. And I don't think there's such a thing as being too careful about your language or the words that you use to describe people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think parents and teachers, um, I, I think some teachers do get in, caught in their own habits and routines. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, get your boys to read books that aren't about boys. Yes. Yeah. You know, get those female protagonists or trans antagonists, protagonists in there. Um, disabled characters, you know, we need to have more of them. Um, it was really disheartening to hear that that movie, what was called A Quiet Place or Quiet Space, something like that, um, mm-hmm. you know, that they went through all of this trouble to have American Sign Language used in this entire film, but then they only captioned the sign language mm-hmm. and not the hearing and speaking words. Why would you do that? Yeah, I'm like, how did you go through this much thought and care and then screw up? (laughs) And they cast an an actually deaf actress, too, which I thought was such a great move. Yeah. But then, yeah, the captioning. mm. Captioning is one of those things where it should just be there. It shouldn't be a big problem. I've seen the devices that people are given instead Mm -hmm. of having it up on the screen instead of the open caption. And it's like, they people are not able to enjoy their movies with those no. uh, devices in their faces. No. Having just... to look down at the device and up at the screen, that must just be exhausting. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's not effective. Not at all. Um, but, um, what you said about having all kinds of protagonists in books is so important. Like the idea of representing all kinds of people as the, te- as the centers of their own stories is so vital. Yeah, and I, you know, and I admit that I try to do this in my own writing, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, maybe I'm terrible at it, but I try. Um, But, like, I did have a character with a disability in one of my books, and he's not a good guy in it, because it it was one of those things where I'm like, well, you know, it's not like I'm saying all disabled people are villains, but in this particular case, I wanted this guy to be a complete douche bro, and 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 I it just so happened that the, the hobby that he had, which was rock climbing, I was Googling or on, was on YouTube looking up videos of rock climbing and came across adaptive rock climbing and oh. that there's gear for people uh, specifically to, uh, you know, to do rock climbing if they don't have full use of their all their legs and appendages. And I thought, well. Then, you know, I was like, this is really cool stuff. And if I went this long in my life not knowing that it exists, I'm just going to make it that this guy has a disability and he's a rock climber. Well, I think, too, that's um, letting different kinds of people be human means letting them have flaws. And having a disabled person be a douche bro in your story makes a lot of sense, right? You're saying, like, not only am I going to include a disabled person in my story, but I'm going to let them be fully realized and fully human. And sometimes that means being a douche bro. I think Speechless handles it really, really well. Um, that's one of the shows that the girls and I watch together, like Wednesday nights. It's Goldberg's and then Speechless. Right. And do either one of you watch Speechless? No, but I've, I've seen um, parts you of it. Def- so at least I know I know what it is. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. Um, the main character, um, well, actually, the main character is the family in general. But the the son, the oldest son has cerebral palsy. And the actor who plays him has cerebral palsy. Um, they have, um, there's a really phenomenal guy who does 
just the funniest and most endearing videos. Um, and I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. Um, who also has cerebral palsy. He did like an exercise video and just, he's amazing. And he is one of the writers on the show now. And one of the, one of my favorite episodes, um, his, so the, the main character, um, his brother wanted to write, they had to write a, a speech about your hero and his brother's like nemesis was going to write a paper about, uh, about his brother who had cerebral palsy and call him his hero. And the character was like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be somebody's hero. I don't even know that guy. And he was so just real in his response about it. And then his, and his brother was like, it's not fair that he gets to put you down and get a higher grade. And I don't, and I'm your brother. And he's like, I don't want anybody to use me. And then, uh, and then he finally lets the brother do it. And the little brother gets up there and basically calls him a giant asshole. And <laughs> No, he's not my he's not my hero because he's an ass and he does this and he does that and he and just like unleashes normal brother irritation about his you know about this person that the other person's holding up as this hero because he has cerebral palsy but he's still you know alive and in class and you know wakes up every day and and it was just a brilliant episode to show that that. He, yeah, he is. He's human. He just wants to be treated like everybody else. He has an annoying brother. He is an annoying brother. It's it's those things that normalize the yeah. the thing. You know, it's 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 the whole. These are the things we have in common. Well, and- it's really great though to hear. Like we, you, you both pointed out that in the cases of a quiet place and in speechless, where they use the person with the specific disability and cast them because I'm also right. a, a big fan of Superstore, but I know that actor is not really in a wheelchair, the, the, the right. one that they have mm-hmm. in a wheelchair. Um, and Glee did that too, because they had, yeah. you know, they had these fantasy things where the kid was up dancing. And um, so it's like, I understand that it's an actor's job, but there, you know, there's also opportunity that they, they could have. Right. You know, it's somebody's used. life. Yeah. Well, it's so, but as far as diversity, I still love Superstore and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think they're great. I agree. Um, so any other, uh, mo- how about movies? Because I have not really been to the movies a lot. Um, and I know Natalie just came out of Solo <laughs> and was like, not going to sleep for days. Apparently <laughs> Solo is good, uh, I hear. I, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to add to my Star Wars tattoo now. After oh, there is there is a there is a without spoilers, there is a new badass female droid who Grace um, looked at me and she was like, "Why is that robot you?" And then <laughs> my youngest was like, "But why does she sound like River Song?" <laughs> So, um, so yeah, she, there's, uh, I think that, and I know there's so many fanboys that are so sad about this, but I am loving how diverse Star Wars, like the new movies all include. This one is, again, there's so many different cultures represented, um, and strong females and it's amazing. Plus, you know, my Chewbacca, so uh, so yeah, I was really proud and really happy, and it's really great to uh, to know that you know the the girls 
are so excited to see other females on screen. They're they're currently just ridiculously obsessed with every woman in Black Panther. Like every woman. Oh, Black yeah. Panther was yeah. amazing, yeah. They're just and they're ex- and and it it makes me happy because especially with Black Panther, um two of their very best friends, it's it's um it's funny because they have good friends that are the same. They're sisters as well, and they're the same grades. So they've grown up together since kindergarten, first grade. We've so we've known their family, and my youngest is the same as their youngest. And but their father is from Ghana, and um, they still have you know a majority of that side of the family is still in Ghana. And so it's very, they get very protected of them because we live in a predominantly suburban white uh, area. And so they get really excited when their friends get representation. And especially with all of the, the, um, the African symbology and artwork and language and how rich it was in the culture and how it was excited to see them, you know, just happy that their friends got, you know, I, I will completely agree with you there and and just share with you my own my own side story on that was um, my yoga teacher that I did teacher training with uh, is from Haiti and she is not a geek. She's a, like completely 100 percent athlete all the time and she could not wait to see Black Panther and she came out of the movies crying took pictures of herself in front of all the posters and stuff and could not wait to send me the, the photos and she's like I cannot believe I've seen my people represented that is so powerful and I've talked to and I've read so many women who have said the same thing about Wonder Woman yeah about how and I I, I cried in Wonder Woman we unashamedly yeah. <laughs> and we I a couple times in the theater yeah. <laughs> I took some women who are not geeks in fact I took my um my dear friend who is just, she's just not into pop culture, anything. She just reads books, not pop culture books. And I thought she's going to hate this so much, but I dragged her along and she loved it. She loved, I don't think she'll ever go see another super movie, superhero movie again. And I don't think she'll ever go back and rent one or buy one from the past. But the power of seeing women filmed in that way got to her. Um, we all want to see ourselves on screen. Right. Yeah, and I think I think the Amazons were incredible. I mean, obviously, my favorite part of Wonder Woman, I think, was that opening part on the island. Yeah. Um, uh, there was just, uh, like, I don't even have the words for, for how much it, it was. Perfection. Yeah, how, how much, how moving it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then there were other very key scenes, like you said, where you start crying. And, of course, you yeah. know, that you just do. Um and, you know, and I'm glad that you said something about, um, you know, pop culture stuff versus not pop culture, because that's always a, a literary thing, too. And something's literature versus when it's like, oh, that sci-fi fantasy stuff, you know, and Which it's like that snobbery that I'm not a fan of, by the yes, way. Exactly. That. Yeah, that snobbery. And, uh, you know, and I'm the same way, like when it comes, I have my book time and it's like I read mysteries. You know, it's like, that's what I read because my comics, I'll go into sci-fi, no problem with comics. But when it comes to my, the time that I 
a lot, you know, because I have like no stamina. So, <laughs> so I have to parse out my, my spoons, if you will, appropriately. And it's, you know, it's like, okay, if I'm reading a book, I'm, I want to be, uh, you know, some kind of crime fiction that I'm going to enjoy. And, um, and then if it's a comic, you know, I can, I can get into stuff like Raven, the pirate princess. <laughs> And that's uh, the, when I was creating my little, I was trying to come up with like a little hat, like a little, just a little one liner for Forge when I was, uh, when I created the Facebook page and, and the one that I came up with was we geek how we want. Yeah. I think that's super important. Number one, we, there's no, there's no one right way to geek, Yeah, you know? So we geek however we want and you should geek however you want and we're cool with that. Like it's there's no judgment. Just because you read I it's funny because I've I've ended up becoming friends with a lot of um romance writers mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And the stigma that's attached to those books and yeah, I was gonna say, oh, talk about a group that is sure you're not really an author and I was like, bullshit. They are authors. Just because you don't appreciate that genre like, I would never, I don't know, books just are kind of, books, I've always considered books kind of sacred. The library was like my church when I was a kid. Sure. And in my head, all those books contained new friends. Like, And so <laughs> you can't look at somebody and be like, the friends you made in that book, they're not legitimate. It's not, it's oh, not. that's not true or I would not cry when they are killed. Right. <laughs> it's. it's yeah, it's and when you read a book, you know, they say it becomes a part of you, but it's because when you're reading it and processing it, you know, you add in your head, you add what those people look like, you you add, you visualize all of that. And so then if you look at somebody and say that what you read is not legitimate, that's saying that a part of them is not legitimate. And that's not okay. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And yeah, I'm glad that you brought up romance genres, because that though I follow so many of them on Twitter too. And it's, they tried to, there were folks in comics that tried to make a comeback with romance comics. And I mean, kudos for what they were able to accomplish. The fact that they got anything off the ground at all. Um, But naturally, like you said, the, um, you know, stupid gators came after them and, uh, you know, just made their lives miserable as often as possible. But you know, then you can you can find some really good talking about educational also. And I believe there's a version that's kid friendly educational. Erica Moen and Matthew Nolan uh, create the Oh Joy Sex Toy series. Mm-hmm. And it's sex education in comic. Um, they talk about like how to properly do things and they you know erica draws different bodies and sometimes she'll have guest artists come in and um you know it'll be like uh you know every version of things that otherwise if you if you showed it to somebody conservative they would completely call it porn and it's like well it's porn but it's educational porn it's not like the porn that's based on fantasies it's, that sounds know, amazing. Yeah. Um, and they always run Kickstarters for when they're going to collect all the strips together. Because otherwise it's free online. Um, so, yeah. It's, and they're such nerds. They're total, both total nerds. 
but they, it's great because they're very sex positive. They have, you know, they'll talk about sex workers and, you know, the, the gamut of sex work is another thing. It's, you know, whether you're dancing in front of a camera or dancing on a stage or actually being an escort. It's like there, there's so many different levels of sex work. Um, you know, hey, I, I remember those 900 numbers that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like that still exists, which I surprised me. It's so. what? I said I was actually an operator on one for all of 60 seconds. I'm, I, you know, it's one of those things where if I ever had privacy, I probably would have done it too. There's a story there someday. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just remember it was so funny when I was at one of my first jobs, there was a guy who got in trouble for running up the phone bill. <laughs> one of those numbers. It's like, um, yeah, you kind of owe us like $300. <laughs> and don't do that at work. Don't do that at work. Don't yeah. do that. Don't. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, take this. It's unfortunately going to be a a dark-ish place. Um, but I do want to talk about what I know Natalie has been going through with her the friends of friends of friends uh, mm-hmm. that, that she's been dealing with kids uh, who are self-harming and ending up in the hospital. And the fact that it's Pride Month and... Um, people in the gay spectrum are more likely to self-harm and um, die by suicide than, you know, others, uh, bisexual women of color, trans women of color uh, face a lot of violence. So I just, since, since I know what you guys want Forge to be about, and I know that you want to protect everybody, I, I wanted to hear this, you know, what's going on with the, what's going on with the kids these days? I don't have any, so you have to tell me. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. How, what, what is the deal? So, uh, both my girls are at middle school and last year I had kind of a, a shocking awakening. Um, my girls by design, um, they talk to me about everything. Um, it's been the three of us for 10 years now. And one of the first things I instilled upon them was that they can talk to me about anything. And in fact, it's a benefit because I will always know if you've done something. So if you come to me about it first and I don't have to come to you, then the consequences are, you know, minimal compared to me calling you on your shit. So um, thankfully, we've, we've maintained the open communication to the point where they, they come to me with things um, that are silly and small, and now they're coming to me things that are huge that I was not expecting in a middle school level. Um, last year, it was it started out my shock and going, okay, so apparently I need to figure out what is going on because you're too young for this. It it, it started out with um, my eldest was upset because one of her friends uh, had a boy send her a naked penis text. And she was like, that is not okay. And the school didn't do anything about it because they're like, well, but it happened after school hours. And they're like, but still, they know each other from school. And so I'm like, okay, the communication at the school is not going to be real helpful on this. Um, and I was glad that they, you know, that she talked about that there's, you know, consent involved, even in that small action. 
And then she was like, this person already has enough to deal with. And I said, okay. And she's like, you know, she always, she's already a cutter. And I was like, whoa, you know what cutting is? <laughs> like, it just, oh, no. I was yeah. so thrown. I was so thrown in the way that it so nonchalantly slipped from her tongue. It was, it was a big punch in the stomach because I didn't, I didn't realize. I mean, I've known people that have cut and self-harm and everything, but I, I didn't. I didn't think of it at such a, a young, young age. So we talked about it and she's like, oh yeah, there's a list of them. And she, one of her good friends um, at the end of last year was, she was a year older than her and, but they had gym at the same time and she's known her for even before they went to school together and they were in the locker room and her friend came up to her and showed her her wrists and she had she had cut both of them and they were raw and uh, there was some blood and my oldest completely just went into mama bear mode and was like, all right, look, this is not okay. And we need to help you. And I need to tell somebody. So she took her to the nurse's office. Her friend went with, and she's like, this is what happened. And then she's like, can I use the phone to call my mom? And she called me and she's like, mom, and she told me what happened, and I called this girl's mom and was like, hey, I just got a call. And she's like, oh, she's cutting again. And I was like, I didn't even know it was a thing to begin with. Um, and we talked about it. I was on the phone with this mom for two hours, and at no point did the school call her. That's wow. unbelievable. They gave the girl a Band-Aid for each of the cuts and sent her back to class. And that's when I was like, okay, so clearly the school is just not, so that night, and this was, this was the last week of school. And on that night, I was like, can you, do you know all of the people? Can we make a list so that the school knows? And she's like, oh, the school totally knows. And I was that that's just mind boggling. Right. So then this year, um, fast forward to, uh, it was two days before spring break started. It was the Thursday beforehand. And, uh. We were actually Wednesday and uh, I go to pick the girls up um, because we had therapy. <laughs> and so yeah. I pick them up after school. And as soon as my eldest gets to the car, she's like, mom, we have a problem. And I was like, okay, what is the problem? Let's, you know, talk this through. And she was like, my friend E uh, got pulled into guidance today. Somebody reported her that they were concerned about her safety and she, they, the guidance counselor told her that she needs to watch how she talks around people and that she was going to call her parents. And part of the problem is parents. And so she was terrified. She didn't get on the bus to go home. I don't know where she's at. And I'm really worried about her safety. So I was like, all right, get in the car. Let's find her. So we drove around and we ended up finding her. And she was with another one of um, they're good friends. And this friend I've known again, since they were elementary school, so many years. And so we, we pull up next to him and I, you know, I get out of the car and I introduce myself and I'm like, how can I help you? You know, what, what can I do to help? And she's like, I want to run away or can we call child services? I don't feel safe going home. And as I'm talking to her, I'm realizing that she, that even though I don't know her parents, there's something legitimately not okay at home, whether I know the parents or not. And I was like, all right. I'm like, 
and then she starts going on. She's like, this is the history that I have with, you know, with my mental health. I've tried to kill myself before. And so um, I said, I'm going to make a phone call. I promise you it's not to your mom. I said, but I want to make sure that wherever we go, my goal right now is to get you the help that you want. And right now, the help that you want is you want, you know, an adult that is not your parents to help you navigate your feelings. And that is the goal that we have. And I said, would you be willing to do some inpatient therapy? And she said, that would actually be great because I could get that and I wouldn't have my parents there and I could talk to people and they're not going to tell me not to, to watch how I talk and, and, and that would be good. And I said, all right. So I called the, the county crisis counselor and said, hey, um, you know, I've got a mental health background, so I'm just going to speak mental health to you. And she's like, cool. <laughs> so I'm like, here's the situation. I explained and I said, as I understand it, I have two choices. One is the ER, one is the police station. I'm like, what is the police force like in our, it's actually a village. I'm like, do you know, do you work with them? Are they knowledgeable? Would they be of assistance? Or are they going to just turn her back to her parents? And she's like, we do work with them. They do know what they're doing. While I'm talking to her, the girls find out that this girl after school took an entire bottle of ibuprofen and washed it down with a bottle of NyQuil. So, right. So she, and as soon as they said that, I'm like, all right, answered ER. The ER instead, yes. I called the ER on the way in. I explained the entire situation. um, And we got there. We got her checked in. And long story short, we were able to get her um, placed into inpatient therapy. Uh, She was there for well over a week. Uh, When they returned from spring break, she wasn't back yet. So she did get the help that she needed, um, but it was really frightening. And the girls were, you know, like the girls that were with us at the time were like, how does your mom know to do this? And she's like, it's just my mom. That's what she used to do. She, you know, she figures stuff out. If we don't know the answer, she'll find it. So it was, but it was super traumatizing to them at the same time because it was a wake up call. So then I, to kind of counteract that, I made the friends group around this person come over to the house and do a slumber party. I'm like, it will just, you tell me your favorite junk food, what soda you are going to trash eat and watch obnoxious crap and just be kids. Can you just be kids for me? Can I witness you just being children? Because right. I need to, I need to put all of this. And then Easter Sunday, um, my youngest said, mom, I have a problem. <laughs> and I said, okay. And this is just days later. And she was like, um, I have a friend who is talking about killing herself and she showed me the texts and the exchange that was going back and forth. And I was like, Oh my goodness, here we go again. And they're in sixth grade. I mean, they're babies. And it was kind of a home situation. Family, parents are divorced. Dad just met someone three months ago. They're getting married. She doesn't want and nobody will listen to her. She's already cutting and all they do then is put her on meds and she's still cutting. There's no therapy. Um, she's like, if you tell them, they're not going to care. I couldn't even hunt the parents down for the most part. I spent the entire day going through. I even went back through old uh, elementary school parent directories because they went to the school. And at no point was there any phone number, email address. I left a message on the dad's YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, my God so desperately to get a hold of somebody and it sucked because she was at her mom's which is in Milwaukee County versus her dad's which is in our county 
And I knew that it was going to be difficult, but, you know, at, at, after hours of, you know, I'm like, just, can you just keep her talking? Just keep her talking. That's all we can do right now as I will try my best. I even went into um, CCAP to find like an old mailing address. And I mean, it was like, I was proud of my sleuthery skills, but then very sad that I couldn't find anything more significant to reach out with. Um, and I'd sent the guy a message on Facebook. You know, I found him on there, but we're not friends. And I'm, you know, you never know when they're going to see it or not. And uh, so I was doing everything that I could. Finally, it was probably about 430 uh, and my youngest said, Mom, I, I think it's time that we go to the police. I think it's time that we they are going to know how to get a hold of her. And I think that it's time. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. So there we were Easter Sunday at the um, police station. And it was interesting because the dispatch woman who was there, we walked in, literally rolled her eyes at me when I told her why we were there. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Right. It was really frustrating. And I, she was like, you know, kids will. I'm like, if you finish that we'll, with will be kids, we're going to have a bigger issue. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't right now. I just cannot with you. So the guy, you know, the guy, the officer came out and we went in a little room and Haley pulled out her phone and she showed him the entire conversation and she handled it so well. And she was like, I know from what just happened with my sister, that this isn't how this isn't okay. And you can't take anything lightly. And you know, the police officer found apparently was had super quick access and found both phone numbers and addresses. His hands were tied because with her being at her mom's house, it was in a different county. So he called there and talk to the the dispatch over there, explain the situation to do a wellness check. So he did everything that he could on his end. And as we were walking out of the police station, my youngest grabbed my hand and she's like, Mom, can we get ice cream and go to the park? Because I kind of just want to be a kid right now. And I was like, let's do this. You can have whatever you want. <laughs> yes. And here's a hundred puppies. Right. Just yes. let's do this. So we went and we, we got ice cream and we went to the... Um, we went to the park, and when we got home, I got on my computer, and I wrote the most furious email to the school, which the principal already runs for me to begin with, and I'm sure she about shit her pants when she got this one, because uh, on the last day of school, she had seen my eldest uh, and said, how are you doing? And she's like, okay, considering, and the principal was like, considering what? And she's like, are you kidding me? You don't know what you're, so she's like, you're, she, she, she literally looked the principal in the face and said, your guidance counselor failed one of your students and, and it could have killed her. And she called her on the carpet on everything. And I sent an email going, look, number one, here's how this should, should have been handled and how you failed with the first child who tried to kill themselves. Here's a second child now. Also, can I just point out the list of people that are cutting themselves and self-harm means that there's something going on there and it can take many different directions and you can say oh it's a fad or it's just self-harm they're not gonna actually kill themselves but you do not know that and if it is already bad enough for like an 11 year old to feel like they need to end their life or to you know to to self-harm there there's an issue there I mean that's pretty sad so I said you have a choice you know you can figure out a way to handle this or I'm going to step in and I will figure out a handle, way to handle this. But when I do so, it's going to be on a national level because I will call everyone that I know and I will put every camera on the front lawn of the school. And she got a professional to come in like two weeks after spring break. Um, 
a woman who specializes in uh, suicidal ideology and um, and self-harm with youth came in and did a school assembly and spoke to all of the kids. And my eldest said that she did a really good job and handled it really well. And I don't think that policies have changed. I don't know that anything has 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 come from a level that should come from, but just that one step itself was big for me because they need to do something and it's so hard. And I, I was, I'm still terrified because I have all of her friends that come to me now and I'm like, I'm just trying not to fuck up my own kids. (laughs) I don't know what I can do for you, but let's try. And she does. She has such a great group of friends that are, you know, identify as pansexual or homosexual that are going through, well, I'm not sure exactly which gender I completely identify with, but that's okay because I'm, I'm figuring that out. Or just, you know, are so open to just being who they are, but knowing that being who they are might not be okay in other people's eyes, especially in this community. So I'm glad that I can be there from there, but it, it does. It totally terrifies me that I had to, in, in, in the matter of a couple of days, you know, I had two kids who had felt like their lives were on some level in my hands. And that's, yeah, no, there's not enough coffee. There's just not. There's, yeah, there's not enough coffee. And I, I thank you so much for sharing. So, you know, all those stories, cause that's, uh, it's, it's, so unbelievable unless you're really oh you know aware of what's going on like the parkland kids and the shootings that happen literally every week in this country um you know the fact that these are i mean they're kids in high school they should be worried about what to wear to the prom not you know and not whether or not my backpack has a bulletproof panel right you know it's it's And it's very shocking to me how matter-of-fact these kids are about things that should terrify and horrify and upset them. I mean, like school shootings. Mm -hmm. The daughter of a friend of mine had a threat called into her school, and then they kept the kid that called the threat in home, and the police were involved, and nothing happened. But she was texting me um, from her school, and I said, just, she said, she's reassuring me. He's not at school. Everything's fine. And I said, just can you stick with your friends today? Just travel in packs. Be aware of what's going on around you. And she said, oh, yeah, we've got this all planned out. We did this weeks ago. We know where to go when there's a shooting, whichever room we're in. We know where the safe places are. It just so casually. And at the same time, the, the scary part, the flip side of that, which I've realized with mine, is that they have no place to go when they're going to guidance counselors and not hearing it or going to school because that's the first thing we teach our kids when it comes to school is that you know school's supposed to be safe you're supposed to be able to trust your teachers and your guidance counselors and your principals to do the right thing and to guide you and to help you but when they're not doing it whether their hands are tied or they just suck at their job there's a gamut in between or they don't know what to do when we like I'm old, so I knew there were helplines. Like, kids don't know what a helpline is. They don't They don't know that these things are out there, which is one of the things, back to the whole Riot Girl thing, and the website being like a zine, the first thing that we did was we sat down and we looked up resources for people to chat, text, and call for youth, no matter if it's 
um, an eating disorder, if they feel like hurting themselves, the Trevor Project, all of the things that we could find to give them tools to use to reach out to somebody. And I think that's a big thing is that these kids are growing up quicker and being so matter of fact because they're gonna they're having to lead each other or they only feel like they have each other to go to for answers you know it's occurring to me as my kid struggles with some not struggles with but evolves through some gender identity stuff the support at his school see I messed up the pronouns I'm supposed to be saying his right now um but I'm gonna go there because it's just less confusing for me I guess um the school has been incredibly supportive and my kid has connected with a couple of teachers who have been absolutely fantastic. And I think they do all kinds of anti-bullying stuff and they have this person come in and do an all day workshop with this school about taking care of each other and being kind. But I'm wondering now if a student is suicidal or super depressed or self-harming, there's a lot of sort of let's not bully, let's not be mean to each other kind of things going on. But I don't know what's going on in terms of here's what you do if you're feeling this kind of despair or depression. Right. I don't know if that's in place. And it, and it's hard because a lot of that is you're bullying yourself. And that's, that's a topic that the girls and I have talked about a lot because they are at that age. And I, I I say girls when I talk to other adults, I assure you that I call them ladies now, but but there will always be my girls. So, being the fly by the seat of my pants, really don't know what I'm doing parent, but trying really hard. Like right now, our motto in our household is if is taken from our beloved RuPaul. And if it's if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? You love all of your friends. Show yourself that yeah. same love. You wouldn't say those things to your friends. Don't say that to you, to your, and I'm bad too. And sometimes I will... I will say, and I have to catch it, because it's years and years and years of ingrained things that it's hard to break so many cycles when you have kids. But it's, you know, when I have somebody, when you hear your friend talking like that, stop and say, would you let somebody talk to me like that? Because right now you're talking to one of my best friends like that, and it kind of hurts my feelings. (laughs) Because you're pretty amazing. So it's that self-love, it's tough. It's so hard seeing, I think, around 9 and 10 is when it started with the girls. And that's, it's so young, so that's young. So much younger than I remember starting to go through some of this stuff. And I remember when we started hitting it in my household, I thought, oh my gosh, I have so much more. I thought I had more time. Mm-hmm. But there is no more time. They're young adults now at nine and 10. Yeah. Yeah, that's so different. I may or may not have curled up into the fetal position while Natalie was talking about what was going on with her girls in her girls' school. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm terrified for my kid who is, and I'm sorry I keep messing up the pronouns uh, because process. It's a a process. But if, if my kid hears this, I'm toast because I'm getting pronouns wrong. Um, It's very hard to shift. After so many years and, you know, so many years of of everyday stuff, not like, well, you know, you were an aunt that they saw you know, yes. once in their whole life at their baptism right. or something. That's you know? all the time. <laughs> and I'm used to talking yeah. in a certain way. You but, just use uh, the term pop it so you're fine. <laughs> but there you go. But the kid just goes to school and is just like, bam, here I am. Yes. And when they had that all day workshop and they were supposed to get up and tell their truth, 
without any planning, without any checking with teachers or talking to me first, my kid went up and said, I am gender neutral and I want you to call me they, not she. Mm-hmm. Literally in front of the entire school. And I'm simultaneously awed by his bravery because he is identified neutral but currently feels more male and would like his pronouns. So his bravery, but also terrified by it. Like you can't necessarily walk into this world and just announce this. It's so beautiful that he did it. But, oh, kids are, I mean, I remember kids getting picked on at my school because they had the wrong shoes on. Mm-hmm. And it still happens. It's like, hi, I'm hi. gender neutral. Except now I'm, you know, now he is going around to his friends and saying, I want you to call me he and his. And I, I love that there are some of the um, geek spaces uh, where they actually have the stickers at the check-in, at the registration. So you can choose your pronoun yes. stickers. Yes. And some people are making, I know a lot of people are really into the pins nowadays, yeah. the lapel pins. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have like, um, you know, the either the bi, like bisexual, like with the what was it called? Chaotic bi was one of them. I don't know if they were all like there's like Jen Bartel universe because there's Jen Bartel and then there's everybody that, whose artwork reminds me of Jen Bartel, yeah. um, which is basically like the, you know, Lisa Frank for today. Um <laughs> And so, you know, you could you could get like the stickers uh, for these conventions. And so that's something actually, if you guys are doing event planning, I don't know. Definitely. When you when we when you talk about budgets and stuff like God only knows, it's like you could be like, yeah, well, we want to be as inclusive as possible, but we don't have two hundred dollars to spend on stickers. Uh, We will make it work. In fact, eventually our goal is to have our own con. Um, But when you sign up for a profile on Forge, uh, you have a multitude of options under gender. It is not just he, not just she, not just, not even just they. And then there's, I'm still figuring it out is still is an option as well. And it's interesting to watch. um, My youngest came to me two summers ago, almost three. She's like, I think it might be bisexual. I said, awesome. Do you need anything for me? Nope. I just want to let you know. All right. I'm here if you need anything. And then last year, my eldest was like, first I thought it was asexual because I'm just really focusing on my academics right now. And I'm like, at 12, that's probably wise. Um, (laughs) And then she's like, I think I'm pansexual, though, because I think it's really just about the person. And that person doesn't need to be um, just male or female because, you know, I know there's bisexuality. But to me, she's like, pansexual is, is the entire spectrum. And I said, that's beautiful. So now she's she does she proudly declares herself as pansexual she does it at school as well and she has had a couple of people um say things and she's like whatever i'm not sleeping with you and uh, it's it's a cringy thing i'm like you're not sleeping with anyone you're 13 um stay my baby right yeah they're just refusing to do that aren't they yeah they are they are not happening and that they're not not they're not listening no they're not paying attention stay little but I will, uh, I'm glad Jen, there was something Jen said that um, really clicked with me because I'm going to call myself on something that it happened a couple years ago because I do public speaking uh, usually once a year down in the Burlington County Library System because a friend of mine is wonderful and invites me. Um, and so I've talked about being, you know, writing queer characters or, you know, being a queer creator and stuff like that. And um 
so I was going through the whole, all the initials of quilt bag and saying what the letters stood for, mainly because a lot of people confuse ally for the A instead of asexual. That was really the, the one that, and there was, and I couldn't figure out what the U was. So I was like, I think there's supposed to be a U. I don't know. And I put the Q was for queer. And one of the kids said, isn't the Q for questioning? And I, I didn't like, I don't know. I guess I, I don't know if I said no, but I probably cut her off um, in, instead of expanding on her thought where I said, well, questioning to me sounds like you're making a decision and it's, you're not choosing to be gay or straight or bisexual. And it's not a, you know, it's not a choice. So questioning the word itself to me didn't seem to fit, but the way that Jen just described it with, well, I'm figuring it out and I don't know, I, you know, unsure or questioning could maybe make sense if in that context. So I don't know if I, totally screwed up with this one kid or you know and this audience of kids when I when I said that it's hard it's hard yeah. you want to it is talking hard. to a kid about something so important you want to get everything so right yeah because they're looking at us like we're experts okay. and it's like dude I'm just figuring this right. shit out too, right. man what are you kidding yeah I love that. I'm like we didn't we didn't have the phrase gender neutral when I was in school right <laughs> Right. And when Natalie said you can check the box, I'm still figuring it out. I thought if we were all being honest, we would all check that box. Right. But I don't, I don't know. It's tough. I think you probably it did great tough. with that kid, Amber. Yeah. Thank you. I really do think Hopefully. so. So let's talk about the self-love portion. And I love that you guys already talked about just turning to comfort, turning to ice cream and silly movies and friends and, unwinding um, because you as parents also need that opportunity. Um, plus you're probably going through your own shit since we're adults. Yeah. Um, it, you know, what are the self care and self love things that you do or that you recommend? I game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, a big part of my stress relief is our sort of bi-weekly um, game nights. I have a long-term role-playing game going, and that is huge stress relief for me. Is that online or is that That's in person? person. Actual people in the same room. Wow. I know. It's weird. Um, and I think also I have this really wonderful group of women. We call ourselves the bids or the biddies, and we try to connect regularly. And just the conversation with like-minded people is huge for me. And gaming is huge for me. Um, and if it's not one of those game nights, a board game with some friends or some video gaming um, and reading. But all of these things take time, don't they? They do. They absolutely That's do. the really tricky part about the self-care and the self-love is some of the things depend on other people having time too, which is even more complicated. Um, I also write... Um, and I didn't necessarily use that as a self-care because sometimes that's very stressful, but it also gives me a great sense of accomplishment and finding time for that is also really hard and something that I'm really struggling with right now. That's understandable. Um, 
Yeah, because I, I know a lot of people, especially if they're if, if they've got demanding full time jobs and their parents and I honestly I like I said, my stamina is like complete crap. So I <laughs> am just in awe of people who, who seem to be doing everything. Um because forget it, by usually by one or two in the afternoon my brain just and my body just feel like okay we need to rest for three hours and then maybe you can function for dinner you know (laughs) um but uh, you know as as a lot of people probably know by now as I returned to yoga okay um I like physically had been away from it for years even though like there are so many different types of yoga which is is one of my goals is to get people to understand that it's not just bending and twisting yourself that that's one eighth, if you will, of living, you know, and believing in in yoga as a lifestyle. Um, Because there's, there's principles and ethics that, you know, sort of that make common sense, you know, like nonviolence and non harming. um, And uh, having like cleanliness or purity. And Obviously, a lot of these are open to interpretation, um, but I, you know, like if I can't find the energy to do the physical movement practice on a particular day, if I've spent an hour outside with the cat, I'm like, that is my yoga. Like I have a no social media policy when I go outside um, that's that's only broken for um, my boyfriend because he only has like specific breaks you know a specific break during his daytime um but otherwise i am out there it's me and the cat and we're focusing on nature and sometimes yeah like sometimes nature is wonderful and other times it's me swatting bugs for an hour and then (laughs) you know the next morning i'm wondering why my arms hurt so much and it's like oh yeah because i had to swing them for an hour um but it's you know, the reading, same thing. Like if I get lost in a, in a book, um, you know, I have, you know, I appreciate those moments of comfort and it doesn't always have to be like, you know, expensive comfort, it can, you know, whether it's just in the backyard or reading a $1.99 Kindle book, uh, you know, that's still great. It's not a weekend spa getaway with a, you know, $300 massage package or something. I think though that it's really interesting and telling that you asked what our self-comfort practices are and I launched immediately into I don't have time and everything takes time. And that's a little worrisome to me that I couldn't just answer that question without tacking on, oh, but there's no time. But it's, that's, yeah, that's exactly the problem I think with a lot of the world. Um, And especially when I, you know, because I follow so many professional writers and artists online there's there are some that are really really vocal if you say you don't have time to write Mm -hmm. and they'll be like no it's just not your priority and it's like you're right I'm busy raising a kid Mm -hmm. or (laughs) or something like that you know it's you know I'm I'm busy taking my mother grocery shopping something you know whatever whatever your thing is it might be absolutely true that it's not your priority that day but you shouldn't have to feel bad about that it doesn't mean that it's Um, any less important to you yeah, it's just that, you know, that day got away from you. Mm-hmm. A- and, um, you know, there's people who are really into tracking 
their time and I love data analysis, but I am, I, I used to track what I ate and my physical movements all the time. So there is no way I'm going to track my time because it's, it's a rabbit hole that you start going down if you're, (laughs) if you're like me. Time Um, to track the time. It does take time to track your time, you know, especially if people are so creative and they make those journals. Oh, my goodness. The bullet journal. Oh, the bullet journals. They're so pretty. And I'm like, no, man, I'm lucky. I'm just like sticking some washi tape on a couple pages with my to do list. (laughs) It's like I can make my to do list at the beginning of the week and that's it. Um, But I yeah, I love that comfort time. There's somebody. um online and now I can't remember because so many people's icons look the same um if you just look up the hashtag gloaming pictures um yeah it's specifically for that reason the I just need to look at something pretty um you know it'd be like a cup of tea uh, you know (laughs) stuff like that um and it's really sweet and that's what I you know what I do with Instagram and Pinterest that's like that is just my brain saying I need to look at cats look at <laughs> I need to look at the cute animals and I need to just see you know sparkly jewelry from you know the Russian queen and emperor or whatever and you know stupid shit it's not stupid if it makes you happy yeah, yeah, it's, you know, and, and not, not everything, I fully admit that I have no problem taking sedatives when I need them, because, like, the other night, I mean, these assholes, like, harshed my zen, they, t- <laughs> they race up and down this street, like, it's, you know, the next Fast and the Furious movie, and it's like, first of all, not a straight road, it's got curves and hills, so it's already dangerous, there's wildlife that will jump out in front of you, and it's full of kids now, there's kids in, in a lot of these houses, we don't have sidewalks, we don't, this is not that kind of place, so if, you know, if there's a kid, if they even have a front yard to begin with, your front yard might be about two feet. Um, you know, like you're going to come around a corner and that's the end of it. Very. And we've had our we've had people crash into our wall like every couple of years. Somebody's crashing into our front Jeez. wall. So, you know, so this asshole, you know, turn it driving up the street and then turning around and drive racing back down the street and then turning around and doing it again. And I went out there with my mag light in my pajamas, no bra, and I was going to absolutely flash a light in their eyes until they stopped, and I would absolutely confront whoever it was, but they didn't come back, and I think I scared the shit out of my next-door neighbor, (laughs) but I'm like, you know, there's only, uh, you know, I can try to be nonviolent, but I am going to do my best, you know, to reach the edge of nonviolence, because I will want to, like, cause you harm and hold myself back. (laughs) <laughs> but I will stop your fucking car and tell you you're being an asshole and that there are children around. I love that, that mama bear instinct that Natalie talked about that exists so strongly in Natalie and her girls too, that like, like I might be a fairly mild person or whatever, but if you mess with my kids or someone else's kids, I'm going to go into complete beast mode. Yeah. I mean, even not even that like old people, like my parents are in their seventies. You know, yeah. like my, my father's like falling off roofs and ladders oh, and, you know, like the last thing I need is, is him falling or something and someone racing up and down the street like an asshole. Mm-hmm. It's like, we got enough trouble, you know, 
And that's the kind of thing, like, you don't really want to call the cops because it's like, what are they going to do? They're going to come up and they're going to say, well, maybe they were here five minutes ago, but they're not here now. Uh (laughs) You know, they're not going to be able to do anything. Um, So, yeah. So I I really appreciate you guys uh, really, really exposing these heartfelt moments of your lives. Well, thank you for giving us the ability to do so. Yes, thank you. Um, so when um, is Forge? I know that the website is weareforge.org. Yes. Um, and like you said, there's Facebook set up and uh, Twitter set up, um, which are, is actually a little bit different. It's uh, Fem Rebel Geeks and Feminist <laughs> Rebel Geeks. It's hard because... Uh, it is. It's hard to get the same one. Yeah, yeah. people take all the names and then they don't use them. And I'm like, just give me the <laughs> yeah. name. I know. Well, did you see there was a tweet from someone actually took at Ambien, the actual name Ambien pill? And I'm like, that was hilarious. Like, it didn't even come from whichever pharma company it was. That's amazing. Um, But yeah, so when can when should people start looking up We Are Forged? Now. Now. Right now. Make a profile, sign up for the newsletter. Yep. Um, Suggest on to the forums and share some thoughts. We have a section where we're going to um, publish some writing every month. And right now there's a few lovely poems by my friend Diana that you could go read. You can submit um, writing, fan art. Um, it's a community. So we're looking for people to contribute. And this is, you know, their platform as well. Um, we have an event coming up on Sunday, a little board gaming afternoon. Um Gaming and gabbing, so we're going to meet at, if anybody local is listening to this, um, at the Bayshore Mall Food Court, and then we will be doing open gaming at the Board Game Barrister there, and we've got some other fun stuff in the works. Um, We've met with a couple of places, and um, we're going to be getting some workshops set up, too, right away. Um, One of the first ones um, I will be doing is how to create a WordPress site for you to use for blogging or um, or if you're doing like an Etsy store or whatever, but just how to create your own little your own little corner on the internet to use as your tool to express your voice. I'm coming to that, by the way. Huh? I'm coming to that, by the way. I know. Because <laughs> I need help. <laughs> That's great. And, and also because Natalie um, does a great job with designing websites and logos. Really? So... Um, so she is for hire. I am. <laughs> I am for hire. Um, with Uber Dork Designs, yes. right? Um, but that's fantastic. So uh, congratulations on your launch. Thank you. And I wish I could be there, but I'm not. But if you do anything online, I'll be there. Oh, we so, will. Um, so, um, all right. So you guys, thank you. Uh, we, you know, thanks to Natalie Uber Dork Girly and Jen the Ruthless Geek for all of their time today. And thank you guys out there in the audience for listening. Um, don't forget to follow them online. There's obviously you can follow them individually and then follow the Forge sites. All of the stuff will be in the show notes so that you don't have to worry about forgetting what the links were. Um, And if you get the chance and if you have a dollar a month to spare or more, you can support my work at patreon.com slash Amber Unmasked. 
And please, uh, even if you don't, share my ridiculous stories about they the cat. They are wonderful. Because... <laughs> um, thank you. Um, because it's, uh, that is my joy, is making up ridiculous <laughs> cat stories. Um, so I hope people appreciate it. Um, but if you have any, any questions for me, you can find me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber, and you can find mostly cat pictures on Instagram at Amber Unmasked, and everything else is at AmberUnmasked.com. 